episode 56, the buy round here. We're starting talking off about AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. It appears, Zach. Yes, nothing wrong with Alcoholics Anonymous. Good to be here. Oh, it's nice to join you. <laughs> um, that all Australian squad. It was a bit of a joke, wasn't it? When you when you looked at, it, I think there was some some people who you'd say, "Oh, well, absolutely fair enough, deserve to be in there." A couple of surprises, which is nice, and then some you just couldn't believe. But I reckon before we dissect into it, I just thought because I was speaking with you, Ronan, about it today, and I actually I looked up who the selection committee actually is, and I think that sheds a bit of light on it. So you got Gil McLaughlin who is the chairman of the AFL but doesn't really have a playing or coaching background. You've got Kevin Bartlett, who's an absolute dinosaur, legend of that game. Dusty, I'll yeah. stop you there. So, so, so Gil and Kevin Bartlett, so that means Dusty's first on the selection panel. Yep, done. Exactly, right. spot on. You've got Luke Darcy, who thinks he was good but really wasn't. So there's <laughs> our bond. And Caleb Daniel gets in. Steve Hocking, you know, good bloke. At least he played as well and has a fair influence in the game. Nothing uh, against Steve Jack Hocking. Mitch. Nothing against Steve Hocking. Uh, great man. Does his, does his job well. Glenn Jakovic, no argument there. Chris Johnson, no argument. Same for Lingy, Matthew Richardson and Warren Treadway. So I think we need to, yeah, just put that into a bit of perspective. How many how many midfielders were in the, in the squad? I mean, you had... Well, Dustin Martin, Dustin Martin, and Bontempelli playing as forwards. And how many guys are, are out of position? Like, I mean, Sam Menegola, un, unbelievable. He'd, he'd have to be one of the most unlucky guys. If you look at the two wingmen, you got I think I've oh, and we talked about this. Cam Cam Guthrie, a deserved inclusion into the team, maybe not in the right position. Jackson McRae. Now, Cam Guthrie, I can't remember the number you sent it to me, but he's hardly played wing at all this year. Hardly. It's 17%. 17% and 4 for McRae on the wing. Some minute numbers. And so Sam Menegola is yeah. probably... At, uh, the, the half forward flank. It, it's just annoying for me because the back line seemed consistent, like they were putting players in their rightful position. And then you get to the centre and the wing and you see Guthrie on the wing and McRae on the wing and you're questioning what's going on here. And then it continues to the half-forward flank and then the pockets and the forward line. And then you just, okay, this is just a midfielder's pop contest. I think my thoughts are, one, play players in their right position. So, Danger, Dusty, Guthrie, if he was going to make that 22... For me, I'm really, really happy that Guthrie's got recognised, but I don't think he was in the 22. I think Sam Manningola at half-forward flank would have been made more sense because Guthrie doesn't play in the wing. And inside mids, there's been stronger competition to Cam Guthrie as a 22. As much as I love him as a player, as much as I think he's been probably Geelong's best player this season, along with Hook. But dust, danger... Dusty, Guthrie, Bontempelli, McRae, amongst others, their positioning is a joke. Yeah, we've mentioned that 74% stat. Um, the AA backline, they've picked their positions, so you then be consistent. So if you want true wingers, 
fight between Gaff or McGluggage, etc. Instead of Cam Guthrie, who mm-hmm. hasn't played in the wing this season, it's been inside, and McRae. Number two, if you're not playing by true position, select the best. And a lot of Cats fans might be against me here. You guys might be against me. But I think Dangerfield being selected, let alone as a captain, is a joke. This season, Hawkins, Menengola, Guthrie and Duncan, I think have been our big four players. And we've mentioned the big three in the midfield this season being Guthrie, Duncan and Menengola. And then Hawkins on up forward has been just the cherry on top. Stuart and Blitz in the back line being consistent. But Danger hasn't had... Uh, yeah, it hasn't had uh, a season of performances and consistent performances. You look at that Sydney game, it kind of summed it up in a little way, that, that fourth quarter burst. He's appeared in bursts here and there and the amount of time played forward, but then he hasn't kicked goals forward. He's only kicked 11 goals. So how can you justify danger and the likes of Dusty in those positions, being selected over Dan Butler, Jack Gunston, Tom Papley, Charlie Cameron in their rightful position. So for me, it just shows that it's a massive midfield pop contest. So, yeah, I'm glad Cam Guthrie's got recognition. I don't think he should have been in the 22. I think Manigola should have been at the half-forward flank. Um, and I don't think Dangerfield should have been selected, not as captain, in all Australians, 22 team at all. That's my two takes. Um, the last thing I'd say is that, yeah, I think a- AFL Unlimited, if you go suss out them on Facebook, um, the podcast, they have a more spot on rightfully putting their players in their positions. But that's my two cents. Zach? Oh, look, for me... Um, I'll just keep my point short. Look, I um, I wouldn't have had Dangerfield as captain, I think. I think I would have gone left field. I'm just looking at the team now. I would have had Jack Steele as my captain because, honestly, if you look at what he's got around him at St Kilda, which is very, very limited, I think he's done an outstanding job. Everyone I know who are St Kilda support, supporters are saying they reckon he will be the next captain. Everything I like, everything I've seen of him, I've really, I've really liked. So I think you, you, again, you put that into perspective a little bit that he's been able to rally a pretty a B and C grade team around him and make the eight. I reckon he's done a really good job. Nick Nanui's the big one for me. I wouldn't have had him in the team at all, and I think people get a bit starstruck about him and sort of get sucked in. He he will have patches of games where he can do things that. No one else can do, and that's fine. But, I mean, all Australian, you're talking about a good quality, consistent season, not just popping up for 10 or 15 minutes each quarter and doing a little bit and then disappearing. So, for me, I would have had Max Gorn as a starting ruckman. And I think I think Todd Goldstein's had a really good year. He's a great tap ruckman. He'll float forward every now and then. Hasn't maybe made the highlight reel as much as Nick Nanui, but I think he's been far more consistent and just Sam Menegola honestly go out to the pink for me and go with Ed and have a drink sorry he was absolutely robbed not to make it on the wing I thought it was interesting that uh, two Ruckman were selected and I 
I also thought it was interesting that, yeah, Dan Butler and uh, Nick Vlosten and uh, Dunstan and Cameron and a couple of others didn't, um, weren't even necessarily in the equation for, for the 22. Uh, for Menegola to not be in it was interesting, to say the least. Uh, very happy for Cam Guthrie to have been included. Not necessarily sure if he ought to have been on the ground. Uh, you know, maybe on the maybe on the bench, but but uh, more than happy for, for him to have had such a good year and get some recognition. Yeah, I look, bro. I tend to uh, tend to agree with uh, what you were saying about Dangerfield and the fact that the the team more or less appears to be largely a a midfields uh, or team of midfielders and uh, very much like the the Brownlow is the the midfielders award or if you play in midfield you're more likely to have a good game than if you were to play in the forward line or in defence because the ball tends to spend a lot of time around the middle Um, and a lot of the big, big name players are your, uh, your ball-winning midfielders. So it, it, it makes sense that they would try and squeeze them all in into the one uh, lineup, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the most balanced of lineups or the most realistic of lineups. Um, I think I may have I think I may have alluded to uh, the other cats as well. I mean, it was. Interesting that Menegola didn't get much of a look in, um, or he, he got obviously included in the, the squad but didn't get uh, given a spot, which I would have given him one. Um, and I may well have mentioned uh, Pam Guthrie as well, who I'm happy for to receive a spot, and I'm proud of the fact that he did. Uh, but it is interesting that he was starting on the field. Personally, I would have had him perhaps on the, on the bench and someone else starting on the field, particularly in that wing position. But for all things, all things being equal and all, all other things for all intents and purposes, can't complain too much. And it's been a pretty solid year for the boys. Probably the most divisive one that we've discussed there is Dangerfield selection, being the the calibre of the player that he is. Zach, this, my argument is that this season, the most influential players, the most consistent players every round that we've seen have most, yeah, most likely been a mixture of Sam Manangola, Cam Guthrie, and Mitch Duncan. And then Hawk has topped that off, up full forward. Danger in spurts here and there. I, I see him as probably the fifth or sixth. If you, I'd actually put Blitzarves ahead of him because Blitzarves' versatility would be played in the wing, in the ruck, down back. So Danger would be my sixth, probably best. Cat for this year, yeah. It, do you think he his AA, let alone captaincy, is 
justified? Oh, look, I don't, I don't think the captaincy would be justified, no. I think, look, realistically, Jack Steele was my outside choice, but I think realistically Travis Folk would have been a fair choice. I don't think too many would have argued with him being, being captain, I think. Look, I reckon Dangerfield was maybe picked largely because of his leadership qualities rather more than the stats and so on, because, yeah, he has had, by his standards, probably a below-par year, maybe a par season. At best in terms of our most influential players, I feel like Mitch Duncan's invisible. I really do. Like, just I feel like he's always been overshadowed, maybe by others throughout his career. Like when he started, he had you know Bartell and Cameron Ling and people like that always ahead of him. Now he's had Selwood and Dangerfield. I really don't. I really feel like he won't be fully appreciated until he retires. Just how good he is as great football brain, good IQ. He's a damn good kick for goal and in the middle. So. I reckon he was really stiff as well. I don't think he would have been picked, but I don't think Mark O'Connor would have been that far away, maybe making the 40-man squad. I think he's had a really solid year for us down back also. Didn't think of that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, on, on form, you'd, you'd have to consider it for sure. Yeah, oh, look, he wouldn't have made the 20-man squad, but certainly the 40-man squad. He would, he would have been pushing, I think. When you look at some of the people that have been named in defence, he's had a a really consistent year. Is it getting to a stage where it's purely the rising star and the Coleman medal that can objectively be awarded as, yep, you are the best. You've kicked X amount of goals. We can objectively justify that. And the rising star is usually pretty spot on, except when on the rare occasions there are two sometimes even three people that are battling for it, but it, it's usually yeah, fairly straightforward. Is it getting to that stage where these awards are... My worry is that, yeah, the 2020 AA, that type of thing continues, and these awards, their actual... What they mean is just lessened. Their recognition doesn't mean that much. And getting an All-Australian, cool. Cam Guthrie got that in the wing. So big... What deal? Yeah, yeah. I think um, Zach may have mentioned it in in a previous uh, Killer Cat segment. Um, the the loss of the objective notion of a superstar or a you know a quality quality player um, when you're just handing out nominations or you're just handing out awards, seemingly. Uh, Will. Well, you um, are. I mean, I'm, I mean, so, sorry. I mean, you look at Richmond right. after their after their 2017 flag, they gave life membership to every single one of those players. Now, two of those players have since retired, and they had 50 or less games. And I mean, life membership is a very, very big deal. I mean, some of our three-time premiership players still haven't got life membership. Yet. You know, that's what it's supposed to be. Now, it's not up there with the ground law in Australia, but you know, some of these things are just getting as you said, you know, handed out far too freely. I think you're supposed to earn these sort of things. It's not something that's just handed to you on a platter. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly, look, it's certainly something that uh, is up for discussion and that's why it keeps coming up um, for discussion each year, it would seem. It doesn't go away. It's a team sport and 
you can't just a team sport with 22 players. You can't just individually select. Yep, Bont, McRae from Western Bulldogs, Dangerfield, and who else from Geelong has been stars, stars, stars that lift them. Because there's no players that lift them in a 22-man sport in AFL. You talk about a sport that's lesser played, such as basketball, five men on the field, you can't even make the same comparison there. I've heard comparisons on other podcasts saying, oh, yeah, you can talk about maybe Michael Jordan being the greatest of all time or LeBron James carrying wins or things like that. No, you can't. No, you can't. The way it's structurally set up with a point guard, with a center, are you going to play small ball rocket style? Are you going to play JaVale McGee? Are you going to play? It's just you can't on a team sport. You can't. The superstar just needs that word. Fox, going back to Zach here with Fox Sport, it needs to be limited. Thank you, Zach, because you instigated this. But <laughs> seriously, we, we need to cap it off because, yeah, I think while we're all happy for Cam Guthrie, let's not call him a superstar. He's had a career best year, you could say. Definitely, definitely. Very good objective statement, I think, there. Going back to more closer to home Cats news, though, a buy round gives us the opportunity to talk about some potential delistings, trades, what we may see at the end of the season, looking at the, yeah, the, the wide range of players who are running out of contract at the end of 2020, including Ben Jarvis, Blake Schlensog, Brad Close, Brandon Parfit, Darcy Fort, Gaz, although he's retiring, Gary Rowan, Harry Taylor, potentially retiring, Jacob Kennelly, Jake Tarker, James Parsons, Lockie Henderson, Cocky, Oscar Brownless, Quinton Knuckle, Reece Stanley, Sam Simpson, your boy, oh, Stefan Acombor, my Irish boy. Tom Hawkins, when I will stay on next year at least, Zach Guthrie and Zach Tui. That's regardless of whether you think they'll sign or not, first off, that's a large number of players to re-sign. Uh, Zach, how are you viewing this one? Is it a case of, yeah, not too worried, Gaz and, and Harry will probably make, uh, Harry will, will probably hang up the boots, Gaz will, so that leaves two and then there's probably at least five we could name there for potential looks to be delisted and then deal with it when it comes to the end of the season or are you more slightly worried with talk of maybe knuckle and seeking greener pastures more playing time and the same for charlie constable and with the likes of sam simpson out of contract as well or lucky henderson um does that spark any other ideas? Yeah, no, look, I'm not too worried. I mean, we back Stephen Wells in for recruiting, first of all, and I think our our boys have normally done a good job. Look, Gary Ablett's going to retire. Harry Taylor will retire. If we were to win a premiership, who knows, that could, for example, maybe help persuade someone like Kendo maybe to hang up the boots as well. You never know. Even Zach Tui probably has a couple of years left, but winning a flag, you know, going out on a high does happen a does have an appeal, maybe even Tom Hawkins. You never know. You never know. But 
it is a big list there. I mean, um, for me, I reckon the, the biggest thing that highlights is going to be given that how many players we've been linked to and the trade period hasn't started, my biggest highlight is looking at players like I'd say Quentin Arkle, who you you brought up. A lot of these fringe players, um, I don't think he's on the list. Uh, Charlie Constable would be another one as well. Brandon Parfit, these guys who were good players and in a lesser side would be playing every week. They're the ones I wonder whether they're just going to say, well, we're going to go or whether Geelong look to maybe say, well, look, we could get you to maybe one of these three clubs. We want this player. Would you be willing to go? So I see a lot of trade bait in that list more than anything else, to be honest. Oh, are you thinking like a Quentin Narkle trade bait type situation? Look, I, I don't want Quentin Narkle to go. I rate him really Oh, yeah, neither. Past, but I'm a realist and can't blame him for go. He's clearly got potential. I mean, Cockatoo is going to be at Brisbane. I can say that with a fair degree of certainty as well. Um, but yeah, someone like um, um, Harford as well, you know, again, been in and out a couple of times. Let's use a hypothetical. Let's say, okay, he might want to go to Adelaide and say, well, look, we're interested in Brad Crouch. Adelaide might be willing to say do a straight swap for Parfit in a really late pick. Would he go? Well, you never know. You mentioned before we started, you know, he seems pretty settled in Geelong and, you know, used to the club and the lifestyle and that's okay. But my opinion, I don't think there's any loyalty really left in football anymore. I think some go for the money, some go for success. You know, you have the rare few like Tim Kelly who have a genuine, legitimate reason to need to be somewhere and that's absolutely fine. You have some who are just guns for hire who just move anywhere. So, but I think it's normally money and um, and success. And I mean, North Melbourne typify that. They've thrown ridiculous amounts of money at, you know, Dustin Martin, Jordan Goey, Andrew Gaff to try and get them over the line. But the players see, well, they're not going to win anything anytime soon. So why would you bother going? So you don't want to lose these young players, but then you've got to weigh up what you're going to get in return. I mean, Sean Higgins, I wouldn't be going after at all. I think he's best as passer. Brad Crouch, as um, my source Jacobs alluded to, will be at Geelong next year, which is pretty exciting to hear about that. Jeremy Cameron's another good one. So it's going to be a hard situation to balance, I think. There'll be some hard discussions. But best thing I got out of reading that entire list and then all done is that James Parsons is out of contract and must be delisted, surely must be delisted this year. I think it's hard to judge because... We haven't seen the scrimmage matches being played in the bubble. No VFL. So there's not too much that we're really judging off performances. For example, we've heard all this talk about Francis Evans, yet we haven't seen him play at an AFL level. But going off, I guess, 2019 end of year, if you like, I'm looking at the yeah upcoming... Um, Potentially the likes of Schlensog, Gaz to retire, Taylor potentially to retire, Jacob Kennelly potentially, Jake Tarker potentially, James Parsons. Oscar Brownless. Then you've got, yeah, Oscar Brownless definitely after previously being delisted. I think that's a certainty. And then you've got the likes of Cockatoo, uh, Narkel, at least a few players that will probably explore. explore options elsewhere maybe 
you know, even Sam Simpson's on that list as well. Zach cool. Guthrie, there's a question mark there for me. Purely because of the amount of games he's played, not his ability, but purely the amount of games. And he is taking up a spot there. Um, yeah, Stefan Combo haven't seen enough of him this year after his Achilles injury. And he came back strong, but being in the bubble and being having no VFL, it's hard to judge. So we can only speculate as to those names who will be where the hammer will be dropped there. But um, speaking of delistings or retirees, another second time we've paid tribute, just a little shout out to George Horn Smith, who's hung up his boots as probably the greatest clubman that Geelong have seen since the last premiership. But regardless yeah, for, of... Um, regardless for some time anyway. Yeah. So interesting one here, come trade cap we've been linked to a lot of players yet ford's line ben brown's been told to walk out the door we'll talk about north oh um they're getting rid of half their squad 11 players and they've told ben brown to seek yeah a different destination which is which is very interesting because magic door and mason wood that would Definitely yeah. get on an AFL list. Yeah, look, they've um, for some reason they've you know there's a mass exodus from uh, North Melbourne, and um, I don't know where they're going to get their goals from. Just quietly, uh, you know, who where's the key forward now? They're getting rid of their best key forward, who's just had a bad year and he's just been injured. That's all. Oh, well, Goldie will take it out of the ruck and just walk and. Straight up to the. Oh yeah, that's a that's a that's a new game plan for him. Yeah. Well, look. <laughs> you want to try and see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel for a club like that, but there's not really much going on at Arden Street, unfortunately. Yeah. Hey, strange one there. Um, so this cap trade discussion. We'll have a lot of cap salary to play with. Um, ben Brown, Joe Danaher, Ford swinging around, Sean Higgins now being linked. Had a funny moment the other day. It was just down too long. And, um, some people were talking. Oh, yeah, Sean Higgins is. Uh, he's he's definitely yep coming to the to the club. Family was speaking to two other families, <laughs> and past them walks Matthew Stokes. <laughs> just think. Guys, <laughs> only so, in Geelong would that happen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. A, a lot of cap space to to play with. Um, Brad Crouch, happy with that one. There, we'll see what happens with the fringe players, I guess, and the Viney as well is another one. Viney's been linked. Uh, it, it'll continue. There'll be more players, and there'll be players from Geelong that will be linked elsewhere. So, watch that space. Before we get on to the final Port Adelaide round one Cats finals fixture, I want to discuss a little bit about Geelong's 2020 this season, how we see it and review it, how we critique it. A plus, A minus, B plus, B minus, C plus, whatever you want to grade it out of five. Hmm. I don't know. 
Zach, how would you talk? In, in a strange 2020 dystopian COVID-19 global pandemic going on, there's managed to be an AFL season played, first off. So regardless of rounds, regardless of minutes per quarter, we got through 17 rounds, 18, including the bye. We finished top four. I'll leave it to you. Is this a case of we'll judge after finals or...? Well, for, well look, for the, the AFL as a whole getting a plus because we were able to finish off the season. There was a time there where we didn't think um, we would. Look, I'm, giving, I'm going to grade Chris Scott harshly like I do all my kids. But look, he's often referred to as home and away Chris. So we have no issue with how he performs during the home and away season. So that's absolutely fine. I've got no issue with that. I'd give, it, give him an A- minus in a sense that would have given him an A had we made top two, which was a possibility. Now, we didn't quite get there, but we were able to make the top four in the double chance. So that's ultimately what we're after. But the next, uh, what do we got? Next four weeks is going to be where he earns his money and where the real grade comes from. If we get, if we do the classic Geelong, lose the quality, win the semi and lose the prelim, well, then it's, he'd be getting a C or maybe even a D with the squad that we've got. But if we're able to progress to the grand final, well, then he'll be, he'll be getting a better grade. So, yeah, you know, I've been hearing sick, from, yep. you're sick of hearing us do well in, home and away and put yourself in a good position but then just getting getting bundled out when it really matters and look we've yep. we got a good chance i mean we'd back us in the, to beat port adelaide we'll talk about that later if you were to lose we'd have the saints or the doggies you'd back us in against them and then assumedly richmond after that which would be a bit of trouble yeah i think i may have uh looked online and just seen just seen the general consensus of of some of the fans and most people are saying that uh, that generally a pass mark is the grand final at the moment for us. I, I reckon with the squad we have and the age and demographic and how we're positioning our list, I mean, the club clearly think we're in playing for the now. Well, then, yes. Mm. I think anything short of a prelim would be a fail. Absolutely. If you were to get bundled out in straight sets, it would be a complete fail. Mate. Yeah, but... Uh, but I mean, how how frustrating is it getting to to get to a prelim and then just to just lose to play well for a half and still lose? Yeah, but, yeah, but but at least you've made it to that step. At least you've got to the prelim. You want to go in as deep. You want to go in a bit of that. You want to go as deep into finals as you can can possibly go. Mm. What would, mm. would you rather lose? Say a semi final by two points. Or get to a prelim and get belted because I mean, at the end of the day, you've still made it that one step further. Even yeah, you, you've made belted. you've made it to the next stage. You've made it to the next stage. I mean, uh, yeah, there's nothing there's nothing worse than losing a a semi final or a knockout game in the last few seconds, as as many Geelong fans can attest to over the yeah, years. And, yeah, and I mean, look, as I said, I'm I'm giving him a harsh grade. I mean, as a teacher, you you're trained to be you know, realistic and a bit fair but harsh. But do you reckon if we if we lost a prelim or God forbid lost a semi, do you reckon there'd be more questions asked about Chris Scott? Because once again, I think you could make a solid argument that there's no real benefit of playing well 
in the home and away season, as good as that is. But then when crunch time comes, just appearing a bit soft and getting bundled out, you'd have to ask questions, surely. Yeah, completely disagree. Probably on all all levels there. Before the season started, I'd, I'd given Chris Scott a A plus. If you want to grade him by that, uh, before the season started, he gave away his whole wage in 2020. Unlike a lot of big names, True, that's that's something that wasn't a lot of the players' association players, high name players, Geelong players that we support, and we'll put our hands up here. Chris Scott waived his money for this year. Massive A plus, mm. even before the season started. Okay. Yeah, Top all right, four. And then on that on that round, yeah. yeah. Bear with me. Top four secured. Now we know it doesn't matter whether we finish first, whether we finish fourth. From last season, from seasons previous. Top four secured. Done. A plus. Alright. Now this is where I kind of objectively look at it. And this is where Cats fans have actually got to get their head around it. That they're they're not likely to win a premiership. Yeah, you're a contender. And you're a decent contender, but you're not likely to win a premiership. Yeah. Stats lines have it here. To make a grand final, they've got Richmond at 42.8%. We've got Geelong at 38.5%. Closely by just tipping them is Port Adelaide with 38.7%. And just behind that is Brisbane with 36.2%. You've got West Coast with 13.8%, St Kilda 11.6%, the Doggies with 10.4%, and Collingwood with 8%. So, again, you're the third choice chance there under that stat line, the 38.5% to make a grand final. That's to make it, not to win it. To win the grand final, Geelong yep. sits at 19.7%. Second, second, but behind Richmond, the obvious favourites, 23.5%. So whether you like it or not, Cats fans, you're most likely not to win a premiership in 2020. Yeah. Each year, to be honest. Every year. it's, It's, you have a very good chance here, Cats fans. We have a very good chance. Got the players. We all believe we can. Any given Sunday, as John Mirish said, in, in, in those kind of lines. Um, but you're going to have to get your head around this. There's, it, it's highly unlikely, as my globe's busted, and I'm, I'm speaking to you guys through darkness, it is <laughs> unlikely through those stats that we'll win a grand final. We have a really good chance. So the question, the debate that I kind of engage in is through more COVID um lens here and how this is here to be the afl and every single club so assuming the geelong uh, hypothetically assuming we're not winning the grand final what not winning a premiership which we're capable of but definitely not likely what's the fallout in a covid19 dystopian field year where the cats have yeah avoided a financial crisis which we now see other clubs entering. We've now seen other clubs that have made grand finals, e.g. Sydney, e.g. Adelaide in recent years, having a full rebuild. Now, do you remember those days? 
I do vividly of the early 2000s. Would you, mm-hmm. would you want to re-enter those days where, oh, who plays for the Cats? Peter Riccardi. Who else? Uh, Ronnie Burns. Who else? Um, Spuds? <laughs> do you want to re-enter those days of, of, a, of the classic rebuild mould that Adelaide are going through or that North have been... Uh, are only entering now because they've been pushing for finals, but Carlton have been going for decades and decades past the mm. 20th century that Melbourne have been mm. pushing forth that Gold Coast can't get out of. It, yeah. Economically, the club has thankfully avoided a massive, massive crisis here um, that'll see, yeah, Kenya Park and Geelong stand on its feet for years and years to come. They've managed to cut losses and contest economically. Um, so I contrast this with the campaigns previously of Adelaide losing a, a grand final to, to Richmond and now producing what was previously called weeks ago as one of the worst ever campaigns in AFL football to a rebuild. And I can't justify that, being a Geelong fan and seeing finals after finals after finals every single year. So what, where, where do you want it? Do you want a premiership or finals and then go back to the Peter Street days? Where do we draw the line here, is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, uh, like, are you, are you asking, do you play only for premierships or do you play to be a constant contender? I think Win the odd premiership. I think holistically, finishing top of the table or aroundabouts, gaining finals, increases membership. throughout, Especially throughout this year, it's been a massive thing for Geelong supporters because it's, it's a sense of hope. It's a sense of something to cling on to during a year filled with fear and anxiety for some people. It's been fantastic to see Geelong's success during the home and away period not finals yet, during the home and away period. Economically mm-hmm. as well, with over 60,000 members, sitting in the top six, I think, for memberships. Yep, we're doing really well. Really, really mm-hmm. well. Now, I, what's the counter-argument? That it's a failure unless we win a premiership? We're not likely to win a premiership. And that's yeah, what yeah, people well, get their heads around. So yeah. we have... We have the capability to win a premiership. The pawn figures are there. The, the chess table is there to be manoeuvred around. But mm-hmm. we've talked about, we previously just talked about Brad Crouch incoming. There's no reason for why next year can't be if this isn't. Because Geelong doesn't and hasn't under Stephen Wells, under their, under their leadership, has not and refused to enter a rebuild model because economically it would ruin their membership model and how they gain revenue. And Brian Mm. Cooks talks about this and Sierra's talked about this every single year that they can't just only break even, even though every year they just do break even financially. So you have to if you're Geelong. Unfortunately, not given some surpluses like Richmond or Collingwood, um, you have to. That's where I'm coming from, I guess. The more holistic approach in involving finances, involving COVID-19, involving the year that we have been through. 
I understand the counter argument where people say, geez, it's been nine seasons now, nine seasons where every single season you've got a real good crack at a premiership and you haven't got one. Come on. It's a failure if yeah. you haven't got one. So that's the counter argument. So I'll, I'll throw it to you now. Yep. Uh, look, you, you make a, you make some definitely some fair points. Uh, but as as we were saying, um, you know, the possibility is that that the argument remains that you're aiming to yeah yeah you're aiming to win the premiership every year. You're not necessarily going to. If you make the top four, you're a twenty five percent chance. Like strictly twenty five, yeah, twenty five percent chance of. Uh, of make of of winning a flag or making the the grand final and and winning it. Uh, so all we all we've done is again put our you know put the hat in the ring or throwing the hat in the ring and that's all we can take from the season. And yeah, it's been a tough year with obviously plenty of hurdles that people didn't anticipate, but. The AFL has done a reasonable job, or they've done a very good job to get through it to a to the degree that they have. And you know, now now we just uh, we start again. It's a new season, as as the we've been known to say of at least this year or previous years. Finals is a whole another proposition. So we'll just we'll just see. You can't necessarily predict too much and be confident going into it I'd be confident against Port Adelaide given that we uh, beat them by 10 goals earlier in the year at Adelaide Oval so we're not without a good chance but the, the expectation is yeah, we're probably not going to win it because we haven't been the out-and-out standout team all year. So, Zach, the fallout then, hypothetically, if we don't win a premiership, we go in straight sets, if we get eliminated in a prelim, if we make the grand final and get eliminated, if it's an all-or-nothing case. I mean, there's a big difference from making a grand final and losing them, for example, being bundled out in straight sets. But look, I know for a, I know for a fact through through various people that there is, estimate maybe say a fifth or a sixth of the member base, something like that, that has that has been growing frustrated with with the coach for a while, purely on the argument that we play well during the home and away season. That's absolutely fine. You've got to keep the sponsors happy, et cetera, et cetera. But as I said, when it, when it really matters, which is finals, that we haven't had a great record, I think we've only won three or four. I'm not saying I agree with that. That's just a fact for the moment that there is a, a certain percentage of the supporter base that have this view. And I think if it keeps happening or people perceive that as happening, that it will, um, that that number will grow large. So that's something that we need to bear in mind. My last piece will just be that at the moment we have draft picks 11, 15 and 16. We have three first round picks. We will never have this sort of bounty again for a long, long time, largely because of Tim Kelly. Absolutely don't mind trading in for certain players if you can justify it. Jeremy Cameron, not a problem. Brad Crouch, not a problem. Maybe maybe even um, Jack Viney. 
but we need to keep one of these picks. I would yep. not see all these first rounders traded away. For me, you keep at least one. If I was going to keep one, I'd be keeping that pick 11, maybe the other two. We need to keep one or two. Yep. You can trade in players who can help you in that flag, fine. But you can balance trading for the now, but also getting some good kids in as well. I think we need to make really make um, we need to make sure that we balance that, which you are able to do. Yeah, which I think that uh, Wells would have done, you know, for the for the last season or the season just just gone prior to this one, obviously, because you you're not basing any of the picks off of this season because there has been no uh, youth games played, no no under-18 competition or anything. So you're basing it off of off of last year, but I'm sure that he has a, a decent uh, bounty of notes to draw from uh, to find some good talent. I think we'll maybe touch on the, the Port Adelaide game closer to the date. It's been a large discussion where we've touched on yeah, quite an array of, of topics here, league-wise and Geelong-wise, um, trying to see into the future <laughs> and speculate a little bit and every one of our, our own two senses. Um, one minute to go here, guys. Do you want to have a laugh at North Melbourne? <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, but I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I just don't understand it. I understand that. Yep, you're struggling with memberships. I understand that. Eleven to delist eleven people and tell Ben Brown to leave. Yeah, your your only goal kicker for the. Yeah, all I'll say is that there's about eight hours to the next Spirit of Tassie Fair. You should get on it, go down there, and stay there. You'll do better. Yeah, what a way to wrap it up. Anyway, go Cats. Go Cats.